Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper, welcoming back all-time Left Anchor champion guest, Jeff Spross. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, Here as a sort of follow-on to our Rohan Gray episode, you know, we thought we could talk a little bit about uh, universal basic income, social wealth fund, and uh, uh, job guarantee, maybe in the context of the uh, coronavirus pandemic and in general. Um, so welcome Jeff. And, uh, my, my, the, the first thing I wanted to talk about here is the, the, the job guarantee as espoused by, uh, Rohan in our, in our recent episode, I had thought that the job guarantee was supposed to be a sort of employer of last resort, um, a public option for employment. And that would be, you know, to sort of like dive into the most underemployed demographics and to try to get those folks jobs, you know, and and there's some uh, there's some decent examples of this, you know, in Washington, D.C. under Marion Barry, you know, he had this uh, fairly, I think, positive uh, public employment program and so on. But what uh, Rohan seemed to be suggesting was that the job guarantee should just become all jobs and that we there should not be uh, private employment at all. And this seems to be a quite different, um, you know, a way of characterizing the job guarantee. You know, previously it's about, uh, it's about unemployment and it's about unemployment in the context of inflation, you know, that, that this is a way where you can have low unemployment and low inflation at the same time, you know, sort of serving the same, uh, 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 characteristics as a reserve army labor pool, except maybe at a sort of higher wage level, so to speak. And at here, it's like, that's totally out the window. Now we're talking about just like nationalizing whole sectors and bringing them into the job guarantee program and just being a sort of like permanent, not, uh, not, not anything that expands or contracts, but just like the, like the whole economy or great swathes of it anyway, uh, being public and, and nationalized. And so, you know, what are your thoughts, Jeff, on the the distinction between these two kind of camps, I guess? Okay, let's see if I can I can nail all those things. Um, first off, if you hear a baby crying in the background, my uh, almost eight-month-old daughter is teething right now and is not sleeping all that well. So you might... There might be <laughs> there might there might be some some whales in the background. She's fine. We gave her some Motrin, but she's uh you know she's going through it right now. Um, okay, so let's see. So I think there are there's like I think the debate you've seen over the job guarantee and on the left has involved kind of like a worst case scenario of the job guarantee and a best case scenario. And the worst case scenario would be something like a, you know, a kind of, you know, uh, uh, noblesse oblige uh, workfare program where you just like find you find like the people who are really the worst off who are like the most discarded by the uh, the uh, the labor market as it exists. And you give them some like, you know, bullshit work to do. Um and you pay them crap and it's kind of like a it's it's essentially like something that essentially helps like the 
the disciplining of labor effect of private capital because you put them into crap jobs. It's like, well, you know, if you don't want the crap job, you know, make yourself more accommodate yourself the demands of capital. Um, The best case scenario, I think, for the job guarantee is you have something that. Um, I mean, like I would, I would still understand it as something that waxes and wanes to a certain degree with the the business cycle. But you could imagine something that like provides a very aggressive wage floor. Uh, like I mean, I I think I proposed like twelve dollars an hour when I wrote my piece. That seems horribly like I was trying to like you know split the baby at the time when I wrote it. That seems horribly inadequate now. Like I I would I would like I mean. It was like, years ago it, in a galaxy 20. far, far away right. but before this leftist uprising. Right. Go for $25 an hour or something like that. Offer health benefits or, I mean, like we pass Medicare for all. Who cares about the health benefits? Everyone's got them anyway. Um, and I told Alexi this earlier also. You could use it as like, you know, however many hours you demand in exchange for the wage, that becomes the floor in the economy for uh, work hours. So, like, you know, if you pay, you know – you mean ceiling, 40. a ceiling, a ceiling for work right. hours. Right, ceiling for work hours, excuse me. Yeah. So if you pay 40000 a year for the job guarantee and then only demand like 30 hours a week uh, to get that to get that annual salary, then like – or annual wage, what the, what the equivalent is. Then like no, no one's going to work for like you know 40000 a year for more hours. Like you, you compete the you compete the private options away, so you could imagine a really aggressive job guarantee that um, is like technically can wax and wane with the job cycle, but like wipes out or competes away such a huge swath of low like labor low like low quality labor and employment that you essentially create a kind of permanent um, a, a, a permanent public option or public uh, entity that is able to, like, you know, adapt to the needs of particular communities and becomes like a kind of a platform for, like, you know, if we need to get West Virginia off of coal and build a bunch of solar panels and like eco tourism businesses, like the job guarantee becomes like a kind of staging platform for that kind of thing that, like, you know, communities get together democratically and figure out what they want to do. Um, I think this also is kind of gets to like what to me has always been one of the big uh, sticking not well not sticking points but like the thing you really got to get right if you want to have the best case scenario of the job guarantee which is you really need to figure out how to design the institutional framework so that it is a it is a genuinely democratic thing where like a person can come in and say, I want a job and feels like they have clout to say, I would like to do X, Y, or Z. And you, they get X, Y, or Z. They don't get like someone above them saying, no, you're only good for, you know, A. And they get shoved into A and that's that. So building an institutional setup that like allows communities to democratically come together and both decide what they want, what they need done offers those opportunities to the people who want jobs then also lets the people who want jobs come in and say i would like to do some of these things and then the community can say oh one of those ideas sounds good let's have you do that instead and like you know that all of that can't be infinitely elastic obviously but like which like is also why i propose like we should have a ubi too and we can get to that in a minute but like i think that to me i think is like one of like 
that's really one of the key nuts to crack is how to build the institutional framework so that there is meaningful democracy at the level that it is implemented for the people involved, if that makes sense. Right. And, and so you had also mentioned um, not just democratically, individually and socially determining what the work would be, what things are needed, but also not forcing people to like move across the country. You know, you can, you can work in the community and the geographical location that you want to work. And and this is all freeing in in, in all kinds of ways. Um, But, but I didn't hear anything about nationalizing firms there. And so, so in the vision and the goal is, so this is the thing, like there are better and worse versions of this, depending on what we can agitate for and, and accomplish. But like, is there a shared understanding by policy wonks, scholars, others uh, pushing for the the job guarantee? And I know that there is a relationship between people pushing for this and, and the MMT, um, you know, economists, and uh, as well as the, the people supporting a Green New Deal. So, uh, how, how much of, of of those circles and those proponents are actually envisioning as the goal something like, you know? democratically owning the means of production and nationalizing all firms or having worker cooperatives or, or, or firms, uh, owned by the state. Um, and, and I guess I would, I would just, um, also add that like, uh, that sounds great. And, and I want, I want to, you know, talk more about that vision, but are, are we right to think that, that people are, um, seeing this as like the gateway drug, right? Because like the, the initial bill doesn't have to do this, but like, is, job guarantee the gateway drug to get us to the best drugs. I, I don't know why I made the drug analogy, right. but it seems, <laughs> it seems it seems apt, right? Like in some way. I think it definitely can be the gateway drug. Whether it is seen as that gateway drug um, by the people pushing the job guarantee is – I think there's like, you know – I, I would not. I, I think there are a lot. The job guarantee fans. There's a spectrum of like. I think Rohan is off on the far left of like the job guarantee fans, and then there's probably people who are a bit more in the. We would just like you know an economy that doesn't go through giant bouts of unemployment and where like you know workers have leverage in the private labor market on a sustained permanent basis, and then you have on the other side of the spectrum. I think like. Someone like Matt Brunig, who sees the job guarantee and envisions the worst case scenario that I laid out. And it's like, this is just a terrible idea. We shouldn't do it for that because that's like the vision. That's that's the outcome that he foresees. And we'll get to that with the UBI. You have that same spectrum, I think. Right. Um, So the way it could work, I mean, like there are several ways I think it can work as the gateway drug. The first off is, like I said, like if, if you get this institutional setup right and you have this like permanent public capacity for communities to come together and say, we want to build a wind farm, we want to clean up the the watershed, whatever, and they can just get together and do it, right? They have essentially a permanent, infinitely expandable community development grant at their hands that they can deploy as they would like, right? So that's part of it. Another part of it, and you can kind of like imagine like, you know, you get projects off the ground with something like that, and then they can be spun off into like, you know, the new equivalent of the Tennessee Valley Authority or something like that. Um, the other thing is just like, I think um, the job guarantee is not the only way to achieve full employment permanently. It is like, I think, one of the strongest possible ways to achieve full employment permanently, assuming you get it right. Um 
And I mean, with full employment, just like workers have enormous more enormous bargaining leverage, they have permanent advantages. Um, I mean, you can once you have like a full employment guaranteed, like on a sustained basis, you can you can build up unions, you can start experimenting. I think like you would have to consciously do this on top of just passing the job guarantee. But you can talk about like transitioning companies into worker owned co-ops. Um, I mean, like, I, I, like you could do the job guarantee without ever nationalizing things. I think, though, like, I think in some, you you could certainly have situations where you like, you know, completely wipe out private uh, fast food in a given region, right? Uh, or like, you know, grocery chains in a given region. Well, no, because so I was just thinking like, of when you were describing the communities deciding to do those things they need, my first thought was, well, yeah, if they don't get outbid or like if the if the vulture capitalists don't sweep in and take that land or do whatever else with it, that they, can, they have the power. So like you would need to have the state not let that happen, right? I think, yeah, those are, it's like the property rights become a very, uh, like property rights to land and real estate, I think, will become a particularly thorny nut in that particular case. That's a very good point. So I think you have, you have, like, if you want the job guarantee to serve as a tool for, like, this much broader, like, left-wing transformation of the economy, um, it has to be done in conjunction with several other pushes at once, Right. But I think the point is that it, it can be it because of the different powers it has, it can be a very useful tool in terms of like maintaining permanent, like full employment, maintaining a kind of public platform for economic projects and experimentation. Um, the other thing I was going to add is um, one problem I think you have um, with other attempts to achieve full employment with just kind of like traditional Keynesian stimulus um, you know, you just shove enough demand and spending through the economy to the point where like, you know, private employers snap up everybody they can and they still, they're still trying to get labor and there's no more labor. And so workers get more bargaining power. Um, a problem, a difficulty there is, um, the private employers remain in charge of like, who they hire, when they hire them, who they prioritize. And I think this is something that came up in your discussion with Rohan is just like there are, you know, because of hierarchies of race, of education, of class, of, you know, you know, community status, et cetera, et cetera. There are groups in the economy that are just like the last people to get hired in the boom and the first people to get fired in the bust. And they're constantly in that position over and over and over again. And the thing is, like, even if you're, like, shoving demand through the economy in a traditional Keynesian way, the private employers are still going to snatch those people up last, right? And one of the things that I think uh, some of the job guarantee MMT people worry about is this – and this gets – so I got to preface this. This is where we get into, like, the inflation question. Um A thing you see – a point the MMT folks make a lot is, like, inflation – the way we measure inflation is bad. We have one giant national index that says, oh, it's one single dial of inflation. It goes up, it goes down. That's not how it works. You have inflation in the oil sector or you have inflation in – we might be getting – right now we're seeing inflation in like masks and ventilators and that kind of thing. You get inflation in real resource bottlenecks in particular chunks of the economy and then those price spirals can like bleed out into prices elsewhere in the economy. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, and the the inflation that like monetary policy is built to avoid, avoid right now is inflation driven by the labor market itself. 
And one of the point, and one of the things like it's just like it's hard, and it's inflation driven by an overheating economy, right? Like you you just drive the economy too hot. The price of labor goes up, then the price of everything else goes up. And if you look at inflationary episodes, those are actually – it's actually a hard thing to find. What is driving most inflationary episodes is particularly bottlenecks around trade. Um, like if you look at like Zimbabwe, Venezuela, these kind of things. These are situations where like these countries could not produce certain real resources on their own, had to get them from outside. And when their the value of their currency collapsed, the price of these things went through the roof. And then these countries made the mistake of just throwing their own currency more and more of it at this problem, which, of course, just makes the exchange rate problem worse and inflation goes through the roof. Um, the... The one like kind of big exception we've seen to this is probably World War II, where we had like traditional well, I mean well, we had like just a large scale nationalization of the economy, but also a lot of Keynesian stimulus. And the way we dealt with inflation was not through interest rates. We dealt with it through uh, price controls, through regulatory for regulation of credit creation by the private sector, uh, that sort of thing. So I've been going for maybe a that's what maybe it. is that what Rohan Gray is proposing like a World War II centralized economy oh, totally, with price totally. controls. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. The the, the MMT, like Rohan's wing of MMT, they were like I think he told you guys about the Financial Times article he wrote. They're very clear. They don't want to control inflation through interest rates. They want like a kind of entirely new regulatory apparatus that looks at first and foremost credit creation by private banks modulate that where that credit goes when it gets created price controls maybe et cetera, et cetera. and they kind of like you know taxes and interest rates are kind of like on the back foot but they're like they're part of the menu but they're not the first thing you go to um so where i was going with all that was that like if you're trying to do traditional keynesian stimulus to get the labor market to snatch up everybody the thing they're concerned about is that you are going to get big you are probably going to get big inflation spikes in certain real resource bottlenecks before you manage to snatch up the final people at like the very low end of the labor market who private employers currently prioritize the least. And their concern is the political economy of that is going to result in a situation where we're constantly, you know, using our traditional tools of interest rates to crush inflation, bring down hiring before we ever get to everybody. So their idea is like you take the job guarantee on one side and this entirely new set of inflation regulatory of inflation controlling regulatory tools on the other that are not interest rates you combine those two and you get a situation where you can both control inflation keep it low but also make sure this like i mean not just like a public option but like a fundamental legal right to a job is available to everyone at literally every single person who could possibly want to work all the time so i think that's the combination they're going for if i i hope that all made sense yeah, yeah. I think I see it sort of where the, you know, the 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 moderate squish position in MMT land is. Um and not full communism and not just workfare. Uh I guess uh, I mean we can get into the inflation and credit controls thing in a minute, but um my question on the uh you know, setting up this sort of permanent employment apparatus which has to take anyone and they can and the people can pick what kind of job they want is how do you set up the the i mean not just the sort of 
I guess, institutional frameworks that allows those decisions to happen, but like the actual productive processes that uh, allow those uh, those those agencies or whatever to avoid, you know, what you might call the Soviet problem, um, you know, where you had a whole shitload of incredibly unprofitable uh, resource wasting enterprises that just couldn't be uh, reformed or 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 just let to go bankrupt because they were too, you know, they were too sort of important to the politics of the uh, you know, the, the, the communist system, um, you know, the, the, the market obviously doesn't, it, it doesn't always work like this or even usually work like this, but there, there is a sort of framework there that is at least in theory related to, you know, sort of real production, where if you are not, where if your business is consistently, you know, losing, you know, uh, pr- producing less uh, uh, valuable goods than the inputs that were required uh, to make them, then that business is going to cease to exist. And so how do you set up these uh, employment systems that they're, uh, the, the projects they're working on are like worth doing, I guess, is the question. So I can't speak for anyone else, for like Rohan or Kelton or, you know, anyone anyone else who's advocating the job guarantee on this point. I can tell you my theory on how this would work. Um, the first thing I think you could say is that like the job guarantee, you know, the it does not work according to the classical like capitalist theory of maintaining social value. Right. The, the classical capitalist theory is market capital market capitalist market theory is you have. You know, you have a company that can go broke if it doesn't yeah. like if it doesn't meet uh, consumer demand, if it doesn't provide a product that like is bought at enough product service that is bought enough times at a enough at a great enough level, it will cease to function and is allowed to die. So you have a functioning like trial and error experimentation process where firms pop up, they make a go of it, and then they are either successful and expand or they are unsuccessful and they die. Um, and yeah, the problem with the, something like a job guarantee is that like you can just you, because it's driven by the government and the government's power is currency issuer, you can just keep throwing money at the projects forever, right? Like the the product the the profits the sort of disciplinary profit motive, the market structure to like create that trial and error process is not there. Um, I think it, that should be admitted right off the bat. So what does what do we do with that? Well, the first thing I think I would say is that like. I think the problem we have right now is that we we our trial and error market system is both corrupted by various decisions we made about who has property rights and that kind of thing, but it's also like it's bad in the sense that we just like we rely on it whole entirely, right? Like yeah. we have no institutional alternative. So to me, like I, I guess I'm I'm more of a squish than Rohan in the sense that like I would like to keep markets around. I think markets are valuable, but I think they need to be disciplined by an outside force and kept in check. And like I wrote about this in my job guarantee piece a few years ago, which is just that like one of the ideas of the job guarantee is that A, it will make the private markets better by like disciplining them in the sense that like they cannot make money by, you know, undervaluing labor. It puts a floor under the value of labor and forces everybody to meet that floor. 
But the other thing is that it's like it's simply a, it's a different institutional setup. It is a different institutional option for determining what is socially valuable. It is like I said, this all matters about whether it can achieve this purpose. The job guarantee can achieve this purpose. It is really dependent on whether you get the institutional design of it correct. But if you get the institutional design of it correct, you essentially have like an alternative democratic approach to deciding what is productive, what is socially valuable, working alongside a for-profit uh, – I think saying for-profit is a little – a little hazy, we can get back to that, but a, a, a competition driven experimental market system. So you have the competition experimental market system and the democratic like social value system kind of working alongside one another. And whenever like, you know, the market system goes a little haywire and has a recession, the, you know, democratic product social value system steps in, expands, takes up the slack until things reach a re- an equilibrium again. That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening.